0: I'm Piper and I'm Erin and welcome to Off The Tracks podcast where we explore what it means to do law differently.
1: Today we are joined by Vanchika Dewan, a third-year law student at the University of Toronto. Before law school she earned a master's in communication. She is a writer and designer. Vanshika is passionate about sexual and gender-based violence advocacy and policy and love stories of all kinds. So we are so grateful to have Vanshika on the podcast today. Thank you. Yeah. Hi, I'm Vanshika. Thank you so much for having me. We're so glad to have you here. So to get us started, we'd love to hear a bit more about why you decided to go to law school
2: and chose a legal career. Oh my goodness. Um, Just a really lowball. (laughs) (laughs) The <laughs> yeah, the very cliche answer is that I watched a lot of legal TV growing up uh, as most people did, I think. And uh, when I was in high school, it was like something that I that I wanted to do. And then I went did undergrad. And I was really interested in policy and politics. And I wasn't sure if law school was the best avenue to do do that through. So I I did my master's in communications, which with a focus on policy and politics. And then I still applied to law school and kind of was on the fence about whether or not I'd go. And then when I got into U of T and um, got to work in politics and didn't love it nearly as much as I thought I would, loved it, but didn't see myself doing that for the rest of my life. um, It just, it was the thing to do. And I was really just ready to take the next step and do something. And uh, there's so many places that law school can take you. So
0: and what's super cool, Ventika, because I was stalking you on LinkedIn, like a normal person, and I noticed that your undergrad, correct me if I'm wrong, was a bachelor of science in medical, biomedical. Yeah, yeah. 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 And so how did you like, you were in like this science space. Clearly I have never been in a science space. You were in this science space and then you went and did communication and politics and then you went to law. So I feel like you've sort of had these like three really distinct types of study and obviously communication and law policy, all that jazz politics do are like well-married, but how did you kind of like move around in those different spaces?
2: Yeah. Um, so as I mentioned, high school, uh, I went to a high school that was very like science-heavy, very very STEM-heavy in general. So I took mostly science math courses. I was really good at all of those things, and was encouraged by my by my teachers to do all of these things. And I didn't really take any humanities courses or arts courses other than English, which shockingly I did really poorly in in high school. All the way up until grade twelve, when I had a fantastic English teacher who. Uh, let me write what I wanted to write about and then I learned I was good at writing when I did that (laughs) um but yeah I was really into science it's the science bachelors was like kind of the the route to go there was no really question about it and then when I finished first year I had taken a couple of like psychology courses and sociology courses. And I was thinking about switching majors, but I also at that point was pretty sure I wanted to go to law school and I was doing well enough in science and I figured why not stay in this degree? And I stayed. And by the time I got to the end of second year where I didn't really love it anymore, (laughs) um, I just didn't want to leave because I didn't want to overhaul my degree and try to do it all over again. So I ended up taking like a very uh, public health uh, and policy as much public health and policy related science as I could in my science degree. There were a lot of still straight biology courses that I had to take, which I didn't do as well in, frankly. <laughs> but um, yeah, and science is very 50% midterm, 50% final at Western for the most part. And so that gave me a lot of time to do stuff outside of class. And that's kind of where I got into the communications and policy stuff through student government. And I loved it so much that I wanted to take that direction.
0: I have a really selfish like question about that because so in my undergrad, I studied like a lot of humanities and social sciences and this is so crazy and it's not something I'm like ashamed of, but like, it's just such a weird fact in my entire four year double major undergrad, I had six exams and like six exams. And so when I got to law school, I felt like I was at a huge disadvantage because I was not well versed in taking exams or studying for exams. Um, and so did you feel like that really set you up? Like you're talking about like having that midterm final and a lot of law school, especially like in your first year, is very midterm final. Did you feel like that like set you up well in some weird backwards way, or is that just me projecting? <laughs>
2: um, no, I don't I don't think so. Like in the terms of writing an exam where my where the exam grade was worth Pretty much the entire grade or like half the grade and very substantial that part mentally yeah i think it helped a little bit just going into it um, and not being as freaked out but most of my exams were multiple choice and the ones that weren't multiple choice were short answer but wrote memorization like describe this process or describe this cycle or uh something else along the lines of that. And the multiple choice questions were really hard, don't get me wrong, they were like A, B, C, D, and then E would be like A and B, and then F would be like G, sorry, F would be like all of the above, and then like none of the above. So you had to like really know your stuff. Uh, But it wasn't writing based. And so when I went into 1L exams, which was still in person for me back then, (laughs) in the fall of 2019. Uh, It was terrifying. And I was writing up until the very last second and feeling awful after my exam, which is the first exam I wrote. (laughs) Yeah, totally
1: fair. Um, Speaking of that, being back in person, so you were only in person for like six-ish months, give or take. Is that correct?
2: Yeah, uh, we started 1L in person and then we were fully remote by mid-March 2020.
1: Right. And now you're in third year. So most of your law school experience has occurred during the pandemic. Um, So what are some things that you wish law school administrators, professors, practicing lawyers, recruiters, you know, the whole gang of of us knew about this experience and what it's been like for you and your peers going through virtual law school?
2: It's been really weird. (laughs) Definitely weird. I think In some ways, I feel really glad that we got those first six months because it did let us, or at least me, build a lot of really close friendships that have carried me through the past two years, honestly. And so I still remain connected to my class, but uh, I think one of the things I miss the most and really feel like I missed out on that's going to affect me down the road is just the... The casual acquaintance friendships that you make in law school. Like, I love my class. I knew, I, well, I, I know, but in 1L, I pretty much stopped and talked to anybody whenever I ran into them. And it was just a small catch up, like a how are you? Um, and they would tell me about something that they had told me about last time with like an update. And that was how I maintained those friendships. And They were really important to me despite being casual and I think I lost all of that over the course of the pandemic because it's not really something that you message someone out of the blue and then on top of that there's all this social fatigue in general (laughs) in communicating online and so when I would interact with people I would just miss them even though my like the extent of my interactions were five-minute conversations like in the atrium of the law school and so yeah I it sucks in that way because I don't really know what people are doing. I don't know what they're up to. I don't know. um, Like if someone asks me, Oh, do you know someone who works at this firm? Like I I don't, because I only know like the five people that I speak to regularly because I don't run into anyone else. And I think that that kind of, um, not network per se, but just like community is missing. And I feel like that's going to have effects downstream because I just, I just don't know my class as well as I wish I I did because of how this has played out and the other thing going back to the social kind of fatigue has just been law school's exhausting and it's really really exhausting when you don't have really like an outlet <laughs> to de-stress and i know that that looks different for different people but for me in 1l that was uh, our weekly bar nights were a great like time to just not do school and I didn't go out every week, but if someone was, like, doing something, I would maybe swing by for, like, 30, 45 minutes, and it would just be nice to see people in, like, a non-school environment. And then I also made it a point to uh, spend, like, time with my master's friends at least once a week where it was no shop talk, no law, ever. no one's going to talk about this. And it was just such a such a grounding thing for me just to be around people who pulled me out of that bubble. And I lost that, too. Uh, and it just, yeah. So, Things like that—it really takes a toll on your on your mental health, and I think that it's hard to understand uh, how much more difficult it's gotten. Because law school, in and of itself, I think everyone remembers is really, really difficult, and it's it's kind of hard to fathom how it could be even harder. But that that community and that support and that social aspect, and just the fact that there's so many other stressors in general, and it's hard enough in a regular time period to put law school first and then you have a pandemic going on and some things just have to take priority because they're health related or they're family related and yeah it's, it's hard
0: <laughs> yeah <Wow>. yeah <laughs> i erin and i are just like it's really like heartbreaking, heartbreaking. i you're he talking about so many things that like Aaron and i were so lucky and so privileged to be like the last graduating class that wasn't affected by COVID. We graduated in, I mean, our articling was, but we graduated in 2019. We had the pomp and circumstance. Um, and I, I can't imagine and people all the time, whether online or otherwise make fun, like in an in jest of like all of the free pizza you get in law school. And just, just stick with me for a second. Um, like when you're talking about like the casual in the hallway atrium friendships you had and like acquaintances, I think about like the people that I would chat with at like speaker series while we noshed on some free pizza. And like, it was like the, at, at Windsor Law, we had these like really good, like pita chip things that are very hard to describe, like not a pita chip, but basically this really weird deep fried thing you'd eat with salsa. So, you know, I digress, but anyways, I think about the people that like, I'd be honking like these pita chips onto my plate with and like just chatting in line. And like, never did I think that that would be like something I would miss. But as you talk about it, I think, yeah, like that's such a good point. Like I, I really like can't even imagine what law school would have been like without those like really like kind, but fleeting interactions and doing it from home just seems like in so many ways unbearable. I found so much of law school, especially first year, so challenging and so isolating. And so the fact that you have been in this law school from home bubble, I, I can't imagine. And I think like just in general, like the world needs so much more compassion when it comes to the circumstances people are going through. But something that you touched on that I find really interesting And um, Erin and I read an article you wrote recently about how like the pandemic has been affecting law students and um, how everybody has different experiences and like everybody has different things going on in their lives, like personal, professional, familial, whatever it may be. And I saw like a funny like meme or something the other day and it was like, we all have 24 hours in a day, but like some people have like people that help them with a lot of things. What like different people on their team. And it's like everybody doing law f- school from home has very different circumstances. And so it also just creates this like totally different, like everyone's going through the same thing, but not everyone is having the same experience. Does that, is that right? Yeah. Yeah, man, I'm sorry, but even just
1: thinking about, um, the different experiences that you kind of have and the little acts of kindness that go a long way. I just would be remiss to not mention how much Sandy had a profound impact on um, my law school experience. Uh, She operated the um, coffee bar in our law school, and she knew that I loved hazelnut coffee and would be so excited when the hazelnut coffee was on (laughs) And, you know, and it's just like you're having a rough week and you walk in and Sandy's like, "Aaron, there's hazelnut coffee today. And you're like, oh, yeah, baby, hazelnut coffee day. And it like creates, a, you know, like it's a different day. It creates a little bit of, you know, change and the monotony. And so I just my heart feels for you and having to like, you know, wake up every day. And there's not much to differentiate yesterday
2: from tomorrow besides like piling on stress. <laughs> No. And we have all these little artifacts that remind us of those things too. Like uh, in the University of Toronto Law School building, there's a cafe called the Goodman's Cafe. And they have these little stamp cards where once you get seven coffees, you get your eighth coffee free. And I still have my stamp card from 1L with It all filled out with my free coffee, and Goodman's is just closed and probably won't open while I'm a student again. And so I just, I just have this stamp card, and it's just really weird because it's like an era of a a foregone time. (laughs) Um,
0: yeah, it's really weird to think about in that way. You should probably like hit up Goodman's, like the firm, and be like, "Hey, you guys owe me a free coffee." I feel like redeemable. Yeah, like that would be like a really interesting like networking method. Be like, "Hey." Just wondering how I can get my free coffee. Like, can I swing by the firm? Can someone pour it for me? <laughs> I, feel like, I feel like that could be that could be the play but there. If you're listening, if please you're listening, listen coffee. Please, we'll let it reach out to us. We'll connect you. <laughs> um, no, yeah, I um, I I can't imagine. And so when it comes to just you know on the topic of stress and all that comes along with law school. Um, Erin and I have talked a lot about student debt on this podcast and our own debt and other people's debt. And if you have student debt, how have you like managed it and how has it impacted your career decisions as you've gone through law school?
2: Yeah. Student debt, definitely a thing. U of T, very expensive. <laughs> and, in terms of how it's affected my decisions, like I've been working pretty much all through law school and I'm always very open about talking about it because even at the U of T welcome days, the one that we did in person and the ones that we've done remotely since, you get very uh, strong messaging from the administration that you can't work during 1L and you can't work during law school and you are shooting yourself in your foot in the foot if you, if you do these things because 1L is a full-time job, 1L is more than a full-time job. And uh, I touched on this in my article, but I think that's really dismissive of a lot of people's experiences. Like, I don't think everybody has the privilege to do that. Um, and it's really demotivating to hear that when, when it may not be a choice. And I, I talk to a lot of prospective 1Ls on those days who or on those days or in the days following, because I always say, oh, I work during 1L, please like, reach out if you want to chat about it. And the conversations are always well, I have this job, I really like it. I think I need to keep it. But do you think it would be better off to take more debt just so I'm not taking up time in my week? And it's such a difficult decision to make. And I think everyone has to make it for themselves, but it's it's really annoying. And so that's one way that it's affected uh, my schooling for sure. I worked, I kept my job in politics through law school and I worked part-time, which was also just convenient because the legislature is like five minutes from, from U of T. Um, in 2L, I TA'd, yes, I TA'd, and in 3L, I just finished TAing 1L current at Ryerson, which was very fun. And so I also really like doing this, like, it's not, um, onerous in in a lot of ways, because I love mentorship, and TA has been a really, really great way to do that, but it still works, and it's still, like you said, time that is taking hours out of my day, or week, uh, dedicated to things that aren't necessarily my schoolwork. And I think everybody has those. And I personally am someone who has spent more hours on extracurriculars <laughs> and work and myself and television than school pretty much my entire life. But yeah, it's it's one of those things. What has
1: been one of the most significant setbacks you've faced throughout your education or
2: through law school? And what did you learn from it? <laughs> um i think mental health in general has been a big one i like post-secondary is stressful even more stressful when you have mental health condition and so a lot of my undergrad was figuring out how to manage that and figuring out what the best ways to take care of myself while also doing very stressful things were and i had a really good year in my master's like i think it was my best like gear mental health wise that I'd had in a really long time. So I started law school with all of this energy and joy, and I'm doing so well, and I'm going to go like mentally, not grades wise, <laughs> not at all, but I'm doing so well for myself. Like this is going to be such a good year. Um, I'll be able to dedicate all the time that I want to to like academics and social things and whatever. And I got into a really weird place in like late October because of that. Um, existential crisis. I think that sets in around whether or not you should be here and what you want to do with your life. And law school in general is so overwhelming, and that started like a bit of a downwards spiral. And it was very shortly followed by uh, an experience of sexual violence that set off a lot of things for me that I thought I had dealt with in undergrad that I clearly had not fully really dealt with, or that it just triggered. And so that was really hard. And I remember sitting in the uh, the assistant dean's office explaining, like, this thing happened. I don't know what to do. Like, do I, what are my options? Like, can I, can I take the term off? Do I have to drop out? And what that would be like. And so I was told that if I wanted to uh, take the term, that I would have to take the whole year and start 1L again the following year, which I absolutely did not want to do. <laughs> and so I kind of just worked with the assistant dean around accommodations and got through the term with the support of wonderful friends and just profs and everything. But in terms of what it taught me, it was something that I said a lot during that time and that those months of November and December where that law school doesn't leave you a lot of time to just be a human. And you kind of feel like you have to forgo being human and feeling things and processing things because it just takes up too much time and you don't have that time because you should be reading or you should be doing something or you should be networking. And so it really changed my outlook on on law school in that way because I since have prioritized like the human aspect of it. And yeah, for sure, it's taken a toll on my grades. Like I'm not at the top of my class by any means, but I'm also happy and doing fine for myself. So
1: <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much for sharing with us, Vanjica. Um, Unfortunately, that's something that we can all relate to, um, unfortunately. Um, and I think you're really right in saying it. law school really doesn't leave that space for us to take care of ourselves. And I remember when I was dealing with stress uh, related to um, leaving an abusive relationship, I was having a lot of What's the word? Um when you can't sleep, insomnia, that's the word. <laughs> and I was just so stressed because I just more so than anything I was like I need to be able to sleep because I need I have class and I have this exam like it wasn't like I need to sleep because I need to feel like a better human. It was I need to sleep because I have these deadlines coming up and I have this coming up and I need to like b- get back on track being a productive human. Like I don't have time for this. <laughs> someone please help me sleep, you know? Um, and it really didn't, yeah, carve out that time for, for, for being like a human during that time. Um, but thank you uh, for sharing your story with us. And, um, I'm sorry to hear that you had to go through that, but, um, I'm glad to hear that you've since, uh, I don't know, not learned, but, have taken time to prioritize yourself and, and make sure that you're taken care of because that's at the end of the day, what's most important. So speaking of that, um, and taking time to carve out time to be human,
2: how do you (laughs) be human? How do you take care of your mental health? Oh, a big one. Um, pre-pandemic was very different than, than during pandemic because a big one for me was uh as i mentioned earlier seeing people who weren't in law school and connecting with old friends and having time carved out of my week to just not be in law school mental space and keep up with other people and other things and other interests in that way i still try to do that i'm um, a little bit harder when you're living in like a 500 square foot space but yeah like i live with my sister and we make it a point to like start a tv show together and kind of work our way through it for a very long time and so that's something that we do almost every night and i know that okay it's nine ten o'clock like it's time for me to turn off the laptop regardless of whether i'm done or not and go do this thing and like mentally get away from everything for a little bit um that i also read a lot which people um, always find fascinating because law school involves so much reading in and of itself but um, I love young adult fiction I will like die defending it like you'll rip my young adult novels from the like, cold dead hands kind of thing um, it's really underrated but they're also fantastic stories fantastic like worlds that are being built but also really easy reads like they're not too um, demanding on your brain in, in the way that like old literature is, for example. And so I find that really peaceful. Are you Um, reading anything good right now? Sorry, (laughs) I'm just curious. I'm looking for my next best read. Um, I just finished reading the third book, the third and final book in the good girl's guide to murder series. Uh, the second book is called good girl, bad blood, and then the third Book is called um, As Good as Dead. The first one's A Good Girl's Guide to Murder, <laughs> and so the the third book came out like a couple months ago. And I've been waiting because I read that like last year, and it was fantastic, uh, very very good. I'm gonna have to okay, yeah, it's fantastic. <laughs> I'll add
1: that to my Goodreads list of books that I want to read but never get around to.
0: Meanwhile, my brain is like, what show are you watching? <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually.
2: Not watching anything right now. We have to pick something still. We oh, that's the worst part. Out. I hate picking. We're on. Like, I hate picking we're
1: like,
2: on. We started, my sister's been on my case to watch a new girl for the longest time. So we've been slowly working our way through that. But I'm not really a sitcom person, which I know, like, I'm sorry. <laughs> but um I do like sitcoms, just not the, they're not something that I like binging. So we've been working through New. way through New Girl. We tried 30 Rock. Um, she's also been on my case to watch Superstore. Whenever we end up watching things, we end up rewatching things because we don't have the ability to pick something new. And so we almost, if it's been half an hour and we haven't been able to figure out what we want to watch, it's just, okay, like we're going to put on Colonel lines and continue with that rewatch that we're doing because that's a comfort show for me, which is also ironic, but yeah.
0: <laughs> um... I have two show recommendations to anyone listening for both shows. You need crave so that you can watch like their HBO section, but one is like a 10 episode, um, season. Um, it's new written by Mindy Kaling, um, the sex lives of college girls. It's brilliant. And one of the best shows I think I've ever seen I watched it twice and um, I literally like have a good friend who lives um, in a different city and she was here visiting and I was like, we have to watch this because I had already seen it. Cause we both love Mindy. And so in a one night slumber party, we watched all 10 episodes. Um, and then also and Aaron has watched this other show. Love life. It is so brilliant. There are two seasons on HBO and. Oh, so good um but anyways i digress hyper uh, always kills the tv recommendations always I love the TV not always i'm i'm also like youventha where i will rewatch like the same shows over and over for me it's gilmore girls and the good wife until like the day i die um my problem is I like
1: I want to like relate to the character, you know what I mean? Like it's really hard to pick a new one cuz I'm like do I like you guys yet? Like, you know, I it takes a long time for me to really enjoy the character. So, like especially if you just finished a season where you like really loved the characters and then getting into a new one, I'm like who is this? Why do I care about you? I don't know yet.
2: Um on that note, you mentioned HBO. I love limited series. I love the length of them. I They're like extended movies, but they also have a contained story. So, you know, you're not signing up for five seasons of something, um, which for me is just mentally easier to commit to when I know I have a lot of things I should be doing. Um, So, yeah, I I, part of the reason I think that I'm in between shows is because I'm looking for a new miniseries to watch. But in the middle of writing papers in December, I took a couple of days off to watch uh, One of Us is Lying. It's a TV show based off of a young adult novel, it's like a closed door. Or locked door, locked room mystery where somebody dies and there were only four people in the room at the time, and obviously one of them did it. So, what happened? But, um, explores a lot of really cool things, and the show is just really, really well done with a lot with everyone being a new uh, actor on the scene. So, loved that. Um, Followed shortly after by my sister and I watching this three hour BBC and then there were none adaptation of Agatha Christie's novel, which is like the original closed-door mystery where 10 people are on an island and, and they all die and you gotta figure out who's doing it because it has to be one of them uh love mystery television in general but yeah miniseries the watchman on hbo is great uh the night of on H- hbo is also great chernobyl is fantastic like Ooh, and they're wow. all just eight to ten hours like they're yeah. so good that's
0: you know a problem in choosing mean, there's like so much out there and there's so much hype around so many good things and then it's like i don't even know what to pick but um Banchka, yeah, wow. Thank you. There's been so many really like insightful nuggets in this conversation that I've just loved. And I have been really looking forward to this all week to just like hear your perspective on like what law school has been like and um, hear more about your experiences. So we always like to end every episode with the same question, and we're wondering, what's something new that you've learned recently?
2: Okay, so um, I'm preparing for a moot right now and uh, part of that's the factum's due on Monday. And so my partner and I have been working on Google Docs and I drove myself crazy because I spent maybe three hours trying to figure out how to get those little dots in the table of contents in Google Docs. So you have like your title and then you have like the leading dots and you have the page number. you just can't do it. It like it doesn't allow for it. Um, there's no plugin that does it, but if there is someone, please like reach out and let me know because I could not find it, uh, frustrated me. And so learned that you can't edit that in Google docs and you also can't create new styles, which is really affecting me because I was like a diehard. I will use Google docs over word forever because of how convenient editing is on it and working collaboratively, but it has its, it has its downsides. It does there, there are, there are flaws.
1: What mood are you preparing for? I'm
2: doing the Isaac.
1: Oh, fun. When is that? Yeah. Is it February, March?
2: February, February 4th and 5th.
1: Yeah. And I'm assuming, unfortunately, virtual at
0: this point.
2: Yeah. The, the Isaac mood actually uh, committed to being virtual at the very
0: beginning. Oh, okay. Well, that's so, good. At least so that's, knew. And for those who don't know and should know what the Isaac mood is, do you mind just giving a bit of background? Like what area of law is it?
2: So the Isaac Moot is run by the Black Law Students Association of Canada, and uh, all of the schools with uh, Black Students Associations that are affiliated with it are uh, participants, essentially. And so, it deals with issues of um, equity, I guess, equity and uh, like reformative justice, almost. So. The really unique thing about the moot is that you have your law and doctrinal arguments, and then you have um, arguments that you make that are theory-based. So you also have to make critical race theory arguments in and find a way for those critical race theory points that you're making to support the, the substantive law that you're discussing. And so, to my understanding, is that it's been constitutional for uh, some time now, like CrimCon or um, EqualityCon. This year, it's an Advent moot, which is very interesting because. I, the admin is not, <laughs> um, I love admin law, don't get me wrong, but admin's also very weird <laughs> in terms of mooting and it's very different from um, like what I'm used to. Like I, I understand mentally like, okay, this is how you structure like a constitutional analysis in a moot. And then you go into a reasonable, to move into a moot where you're doing a reasonableness review on something, but also trying to support that with critical race theory. It, at first it didn't feel like it fit, but it does. And it's very cool. So this year it's admin law. I had a dream. Well, I don't know if you could call it a dream. Maybe it's
1: a nightmare. I had a nightmare the other night and I woke up and all I could remember from it was that I was screaming, the standard is reasonableness. <laughs> I don't know what I was arguing, but that was uh, one of my favorite dreams the other night. <laughs>
0: okay. Wow. Um, Banshka, best so good luck time. with that.
2: <laughs> Thank you. <laughs>
0: so good luck in your moot. It sounds amazing. When I uh Erin and I both did moots in our second year. Second year. Okay. okay, mine was in my second. Erin was in her third. And um the moot I did was the Quishcoman National Aboriginal moot. And that part also like you had your legal arguments and then you also had your like policy based arguments. Like you prepared like a policy research paper. So that's super cool. And I really liked that experience of like balancing the two. So I'm so happy to hear that Another Mood is taking this like more collaborative, um, interdisciplinary practice. Um, that's awesome. I'm so excited to follow along online and like hear about it. Um, but thank you so much for spending time with us today. We were so grateful that we could have this conversation, um, to stay up to date with the podcast. You can follow us on Instagram at off the tracks podcast and stay tuned for our next episode next Tuesday, where we are going to start a brand new series about being a solo practitioner going solo. And we hope to see you there.